Welcome back to the Father's House. I'm so glad you've joined us this weekend. We are launching a brand new series called Commission. It's about the Great Commission. We're going to be studying over the next couple of weeks out of Matthew 28 that all of us have been called on mission to cooperate, to collaborate with each other, most importantly with the Lord to reach the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad God's in charge and God's in control. For the last seven weeks we have been meeting outside here in the parking lot and just in time the COVID numbers went down and the governor gave us permission to go back inside so the father's house is in the house and and of course you're probably in your house if you're watching this from wherever it is that you're at but i just wanted you to be aware you can also join us in person we'll be following gathering guidelines and it'll be at our 9 and 11 o'clock same time as you're watching this online no matter how you're joining us we're just glad that you are and we're glad that you're joining us not only for the word but also for worship here at the father's house we feel like a big part of our worship is giving unto the lord of our tithes and our offerings and there's a couple ways that you can do that either sending in an envelope or downloading our app and texting tfhsd to 77977 However it is that you're doing it, give it with a, a cheerful heart and know that God is going to take it so much farther than if we had held on to it. And speaking of worship, Mark Good is going to lead us in worship right now. And when we come back after worship, we're actually going to kick off this first message in this new series in Seattle. We had planted and pastored in Seattle for 10 years and I felt like God was just speaking to my heart about what it is he's called all of us as the church to be in these last days. Let's go ahead and enter a time of worship. And then after that, I'll be back. Sweet. I'm just going to push. There's like a little sliver of the microphone at the very bottom. Oh, okay. I'm just going to push it down a little bit. Literally, it's not noticeable for the faith, but it's, it was there the whole sermon. People yeah. People would be like, what is that? Especially the perfectionist, right? Exactly, which I am, so <laughs> I, I noticed it right away. Just going to make sure. Everything looks as good as it can. When I'm driving you home, do you want to stop by and grab a purchase Yeah, order? let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Everything, this is actually working really good. Um, this software tells you how much CPU is being used, and it's way under what it's being used normally. So it means it's saving up, it's able to potentially record even better than it's been. So oh. we're going to see if the video quality goes up. Oh, that's so great. But we are set um, to hop in whenever you are. So after having spent 10 years in Seattle, when I walked through there and drove through that city and saw what it had become, I'll be honest, my heart was broken because I saw stark reality of what happens when there's a misuse of authority, 
or an abuse of authority or the ignoring of authority. You see, the elected officials in that area had not walked in the authority to protect its own people. And so others grabbed that authority and ran with it and abused it and misused it. And then you have this, you know, boarded up windows and you have the even Pike's Market that's normally filled with flowers and fruit and wall to wall people. And it's just dead. It's such a, a powerful example of what happens when we as the people of God don't walk in our authority to be influencers as we are influenced by God. And I want to make sure that you and I understand our role is to see the world around us flourishing through the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at three questions that's going to help us make sure we're walking in that God-given authority. And the first question is this, who do you say Jesus is? This is talking about the fact that Jesus came to bring a new foundation, a foundation of faith upon which our whole Christian faith is built. Christ is that foundation. And I want to dig into this passage in Matthew 16, which shows Jesus teaching his disciples about what that authority looks like. And it starts out here in Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, oh, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And then verse 15, he says, but what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Now, there's so much in just these couple of verses, but I want to start out with the importance of the region in which he had walked into, Caesarea Philippi. I actually had a chance to go on a tour of the Holy Land, and I got to go to Caesarea Philippi, the very place where Jesus was giving this talk. Now, Jesus led them intentionally at 20 miles north of the Sea of Galilee to a place where everyone with any sense of godliness or purity would avoid entirely. You see, Caesarea Philippi was the center of pagan worship in those days and it remained a Greek hub of evil under Roman rule. You can even see from this sign here, there was a temple built here to the god of Pan. Now, some of us may think of Peter Pan, but it's much more pan as in the word panic the god of fear they felt that if they did not sacrifice not just dead animals but sometimes even people to the god of pan that they would suffer you see this was the the place where jesus brought them they throw the body into the water into the hole and if it came up then their sacrifices were not accepted this was that pagan idea so why do you think jesus led them specifically all the way out here 20 miles outside of where they were to this place to ask them this essential and important question. Because Jesus was using, get this, the media of their time to contrast what it is and his message that he was bringing. He wanted them to see a very practical example, very physical example of the kingdom of this world and the authority that people were submitting themselves to. Have you guys seen that going on this year? A submission to the God of panic, laying our lives down, our children down, all of our rights down at the feet of the God of panic and fear. Yeah, and so Jesus is wanting to bring them and say, you can either come under this authority here, laying your life on that altar, or you can build your life on the foundation that I'm about to do by laying down my life 
for you as a sacrifice. So it's really, really important that we understand the context here that for, for their, that culture, that pagan culture, there was a number of gates of Hades. So a lot of people, when we read this passage, think when Jesus mentions the gates of Hades, he's maybe being allegorical or he's just being spiritual, but it's actually also physical. There was three gates of Hades or gates of hell in Italy, Turkey, and the third one was right here in Caesarea Philippi. He was being practical and as down to earth as you can get. This is what I want us to understand right out of the gate. Authority is not just a, a spiritual idea. It's a very practical idea that he wants us to walk in and walk out in the very places of fear in our homes and our workplaces and our relationships. And so that's why he asks them this question. Once he takes them there and they know this is an evil place and he says, well, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And so they go down the list of John the Baptist and Elijah. It's kind of like the Google search, right? You, you type in, who is Jesus? And you see what comes up. And if you were to kind of give a Google search of our basic culture today, you'd see that the average kind of message from most people is like, oh God, Jesus, they're kind of like the Easter bunny, you know, they're, they're kind of like a Santa Claus. They're benevolent, but kind of irrelevant, you know, uh, and maybe the atheist would say, who do I say Jesus is? Well, that's, you know, it's just a mental construct for the weak-minded. And maybe the agnostic would try to close, clothe Jesus as like a quaint myth or a, a good teacher or a moral man. And, and if you're in any of those places and you're watching this right now, I'm just glad you are. Because Jesus honors the seeker. He's wanting to know where are you guys coming from. And if you see Jesus as any of those places that falls short of who Jesus actually wants to be to you, which is your Lord and Savior, but I'm glad you want to enter into this discussion because Jesus is welcoming you too. He welcomes the seekers. He wants to have a real encounter with you. Now, then he flips it and he says, okay, I've heard who other people say I am, but who do you say I am? And again, picture the context here. There's, there's this false worship. There's pagan idolatry to false gods uh, laying lives down on rocks and altars. And he's speaking to them and saying, but who do you say I am? Every single one of us watching this right now is going to have to answer that question for ourselves. No one can decide who Jesus is for us. We must decide for ourselves. Is it just an idea, a historical figure? Is it just like another one of these uh, false gods, you know, that's a, that's a quaint myth or a part of some pagan story? Or is Jesus alive? Is he real? You see, there's no grandkids in the kingdom of God. There's only sons and daughters. In other words, I can't get in on anyone else's belief and neither can you. In order for us to walk in the authority of the name of Jesus, we have to decide who Jesus is to us. We have to figure that out ourselves. And you can't get saved until you recognize his authority in your life, that you want to submit your life to him. Authority flows from a foundation of relationship. And that's what I want to invite you to, because when you enter into that foundation of relationship, you understand you're being built into something that's not false. That's not just some kind of a story. That's not just so much of what in these days is being built on a foundation of fear. No, it's been built on a foundation of faith. In fact, first Peter two, four through five says it this way, you're coming to Christ. And I'm praying that's true 
For those of you who are watching this right now, you're coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone. Again, not a dead stone, not just something hewn from the, from the mountain. He's the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you're living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Now, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He was going to be rejected. He was going to be crucified. That's why he took the disciples from who do other people say that I am to who do you say that I am? Because each of us have to decide if we're going to accept Jesus, who he says he is, or we're going to reject Jesus. Every single one of us have to make that choice. But when we accept him, we get built into what it is that he's doing. And then we have a new foundation and we don't even have to be afraid. You know, as I was saying that I was in Seattle and I was uh, actually walking through the city where CHOP was established, the Capitol Hill organized protest in the wake of George Floyd's uh, death in Minneapolis. They declare this autonomous zone in Capitol Hill there, not too far from where I filmed our introduction. And they said it's the no cop co-op, right? And so they, they said it was supposed to be peaceful, but it was anything but peaceful and businesses and lives were being destroyed and horrific things were being done because the authority over the area was not walking in their authority. Now in this place, this guy named Sean Foyt decides to come and lead worship in that very park, Cal Anderson Park, right there on Capitol Hill. And, and he was there and, and, and God was moving and in the middle of them worshiping, they were surrounded. He talks about this on his on his uh, social media and he said violent protesters showed up flashing knives they had like a satanic cult i think we have that picture there of a, of a guy saying hail satan that's that was for real a guy was saying hail satan they were there was a uh, white antifa people that were shouting down and and yelling obscenities at the african-american pastors that had gathered there to pray for their city and here they, they even sabotaged their their musical equipment and their generators and Sean Foyt was able to say but no one stopped singing everyone kept praising now this is a group of people that decided they were going to build their lives not on a foundation of fear but on a foundation of faith being built into a move of God now, Sean has, has had led worship over here on one of our beaches uh, last month, but this was a much more dangerous place to do it. People were yelling at them. And in fact, he even posts, it's so amazing, he posts this on, on his social media, and I can't play it because it's filled with obscenities. But here's these guys totally cussing them out, and, and they just said, they said, the more I yell at them, the more bleeping fun they have, the more... The more I tell them who they are, the more they keep singing. This is ridiculous. You could see that even these people that had come to just completely harass these Christians, their eyes were being opened to a group of people who were living life built on a different foundation. Now, all of the social unrest that's going on in Seattle is all to tear down the existing foundations and to build their own. But there's something that's such good news for you and I right now. No one can tear down the foundation of Christ. He is the immovable rock. And yet simultaneously moving in through cities like Seattle to awaken his people to stand in their God-given authority. They kept singing. 
Billy Graham said this, Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often strengthened. They saw that night salvations, healings, miracles, and water baptisms. It was like a modern day version of what Jesus was trying to show the disciples there in Caesarea Philippi. He said, you see this evil, but I've called you to be good, a force of change in the middle of this evil. I don't want you to stay where it's safe. I don't want you to stay where it's comfortable. I don't want you to stay with those that you know. I'm bringing you here to show you that when you're built on a foundation of Christ, nothing can shake you. That's not a message for today. I don't know what is. You and I need to understand and decide for ourselves, who is Jesus to me? And that's our community builder discussion question. Who do you say Jesus is? In your house church this week, I want you to share a story about a personal encounter that you've had in life that helped you to know Jesus was the real deal. And I want you to talk about it because I want you to share it. And if you're watching this right now and you haven't had a personal encounter with Jesus, you can. You can here and you can now. In fact, we don't even got to wait till the end of the message. Let's just go ahead right where you're at. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. And I want you, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to declare that he is Lord and your life built on an unshakable foundation of faith, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. You bought me on the cross. Thank you for rising again on the third day so that I can rise again on that final day and live for you every day for the rest of my life. I say no to fear and I say yes to put in my faith in you, Jesus. I'm coming under your authority as my Lord and Savior right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, let me just be the first to welcome you to the family of faith. And you're going to see in the comments below, there's going to be a link that's going to lead you to the next steps after you say yes to Jesus. A quick video from me. We have a free Bible for you. We want to connect with you. You don't have to walk this journey alone. Welcome to the family of faith. Your encounter right here, right now, has changed you forever, moved you off of that false foundation of this world that can be torn down and put you in a foundation that will last for eternity. You see, once we know whose we are, we know who we are. That's why the first question Jesus asked was, who do you say Jesus is? The next one is, who does Jesus say you are? When you have a new foundation, you discover your new identity. Now, for the first time, when Jesus says, who do you say I am? <laughs> for the first time in scripture, Peter's quiet. I've always related with Peter. He was a loud mouth like me. Normally, he's the first to open his mouth, right? But there's a silence here. Who do you say I am is pounding in his ears. Instead of just using the copy and paste answers that the other disciples used, well, these people say this, these people say this. He looks at that large rock in Caesarea Philippi. I'm picturing him looking at that rock where people are sacrificing to the false god of Pan. And he knows this rock is known as the pagan's gate 
of Hades. He knows Caesar Augustus, the ruler of that time, is known as the son of the living God, savior of the world. That was actually his given title. And he can't figure out why Jesus has brought them to this place and is asking them this question. Then in a moment that can only be ascribed to the Holy Spirit's illumination in his life, he says something, something comes out of it, shines through him. And he says this in verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you, I mean, I just get chicken skin just thinking about this moment. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God, not Augustus, a man-made king, self-appointed. No, you, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. He didn't come on this by his own accord, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He's changing his name. And on this rock, remember what they're standing next to? This rock, this altar to Pan. He's saying on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades. Where are they standing again? They're standing at the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus had never explicitly taught Peter and the other disciples about the fullness of his identity. And yet he recognized that God had sovereignly opened Peter's eyes in that moment to see who Jesus really was. His confession of Christ as Messiah poured right out. A heartfelt de declaration of Peter's personal faith Maybe you just did that right now in your home or wherever you're watching this. Maybe you just declared, Jesus is Lord. You just had one of these Peter moments right here. Those who have placed their faith in Christ as Peter did, you're the church. You are the church, not this building. It was The, the church was never a building. The, the building is a place where the church gathers. But we, those of us who like Peter, have said, Jesus is Savior. He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Those of us who know that's not just a feeling, but it's true. You're the church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome you. So here's that foundation of faith, and then on that foundation is built this identity. Why does Jesus change his name right in that moment? Well, Simon was a Greek nickname that means uh, snub-nosed. <laughs> it can also, uh, Peter means a small stone. And the rock is the foundation stone. And so you can see there that he's saying, hey, listen, you, you've had a nickname, Snubnose, and, and I'm, I'm calling you a small stone that's built on the rock, the immovable rock of God. As you look at the Greek here, it's just an amazing picture. He's like, you've been known as this, but I'm calling you this, a small stone built on the stone. Now, it's important to understand you and I are not the foundation. The, the universe does not revolve around us, right? The universe revolves around God. He is the big stone, the big rock upon which you and I are being built, as First Peter was saying. But you and I are called to bring the focus to him and be a part of what it is that he's doing. Now, I don't know if you've had, had nicknames growing up. I had, you know, Johnny Boogers and you know, other things, Johnny Burgers and other things like that, where I'm just like, oh my gosh, quit messing with my name. You know, we know that some Hollywood elites will change their name uh, so that it sounds cooler, right? So I don't know if you guys know who Marion Michael Morrison was. You guys want to guess what, what he changed his name to? I'll give you a hint. You can figure it out. Hello, pretty lady. Don't worry. I'll fix your wagon. What do you think? 
John Wayne? Did you guess John Wayne? Yeah, it was a horrible impersonation. But the point is, is that I would have changed my name too. If my name was Marion Michael Morrison, I would have changed my name to John Wayne. That's a much cooler, more cowboy, more rough sounding name. And, and when Jesus changes our name, he's giving us a new identity that's found in him. The small rock built on the large rock. Each of us being built together in this holy temple. Our new identity flows not out of what it is that we've done, but out of what it is that Jesus has done for us. You see, when, when people are using their authority or position to serve themselves, you get what's happened in Seattle. And when people are using their authority and their position to serve each other and serve the Lord, that's when you get flourishing. That's when the gates of hell have to stop. I, and again, he said, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. You can picture Jesus walking to the rock known as the gate of Hades where sacrifices to Pan were being made and and, and he was going to lay his life down as the only true sacrifice for both Jews and Gentiles forever conquering fear. The, the God of Pan and every other little G God that was ever worshipped or would be. And what's so amazing about that is, is not only is he saying the, the, the rock, I, Jesus, am going to conquer this rock here. But he was, it was a prophecy. He was saying the gates of Hades, this place will not overcome the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this is, was fulfilled both spiritually through what Jesus did as well as practically. When I was there on that tour, we, I think we have that picture there. We, we saw the gates of Hades, the place where those sacrifices had been made. And our tour guide made sure we understood God, God's prophecy. Jesus' prophecy was came to pass. 95% of the visitors that come to the gate of Hades now are Christians that recognize the living manifestation of Christ that has ruined the very gates of hell. You see, that's both true in the natural and it's true in the spiritual. The gates of hell will not overcome you when you're walking in your new foundation, in your new identity. It wasn't just true for Peter. It's true for every disciple who says the name, calls on the name of Jesus. And there was another rock that could not overcome our faith. And it was the rock that was rolled out of the way when Jesus rose from the dead on resurrection day having died for all of us. And I got to go to that tomb as well. 2.19 billion Christians are bearing witness to what Jesus prophesied in Caesarea Philippi on that day. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome. I don't know where it is that you're feeling overcome right now. Each of us have had our identity pounded there's confusion about who we are. Maybe even some of us have questioned our faith. I want you to look at this empty tomb and remember why you believe, why you came to Christ in the first place. And no matter how overwhelmed you are, knowing that the gates of hell will not overcome you. 1 Peter 2, 9-10 reminds us of our identity, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now 
You've received God's mercy. You see, he's telling us the same thing he told Peter. You're not the same person anymore. I'm changing your name. You're a son and daughter of Christ. You're a royal priesthood. Listen, gone are the days of, of just one guy or one woman representing the message of Christ. I think this whole season has been about a restoration and a return to the priesthood of the saints. What do priests do? What do pastors do? What do ministers do? We stand in our authority on behalf of the people that God's called us to reach. One really easy way to do that is to pray. Now, when I first got here, we had a We Pray San Diego event. It was such a powerful time as we all lined the streets praying for our nation. This was just after the George Floyd killing and, our, and there was fire in the streets. Now here we are all these months later and we're coming onto a very contested election and we're not seeing less division, we're seeing more. What do we need to do as the priests, as those who are called of God? We need to stand in that place of authority in our Caesarea Philippi. We need to stand in those places and pray on behalf of our city. And so we're gonna have more dates coming up, but I just wanna save the date. Remember September 26, 9 to 10, I, we're going to be, I think we're going to be standing outside of one of our schools here in San Marcos. But I want you to save that date so we can stand in the authority that God has given us. Speaking of standing, where has God called you to stand in, in your house church? What, is, what does Jesus say? Who does Jesus say you are in our community builder discussion question? This is a really good thing to talk through. How has your identity as a Christ follower been challenged during the days of COVID-19 social unrest, and this polarizing election. Uh, Peter's, we all know the story, Peter's identity was about to be challenged, but God would bring him back to this promise of who, where his identity was. And God wants to do the same for you. He conquered the gates of hell and gave us the keys, a new foundation, a new identity, and finally a new assignment. Give me those keys. He gave them the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Look here in Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, um, Micah just threw me the keys right now. Now, if he didn't know me, there was no way he would even let me use his keys, let alone maybe borrow his truck. But because we have relationship together, I would trust him to drive my truck and he would trust me to drive his. Jesus is saying, now that you have a foundation built on me, now that you know your identity flows from me, I'm giving you authority. That means you have an assignment. I'm giving you the keys to do what it is that I've been doing while I walked this earth. You have the authority to go ahead and loose the kingdom of heaven everywhere you walk, everywhere you drive, in your home, in your workplace. This is what he's called us to do. Again, the church is not a building. It's a people. Let's get this message. Make sure we don't lose it in the year of COVID and the buildings all being shut down. Now, God knew what the disciples were going to do. They were going to mess up royally. They were going to totally crash the truck. And yet he still handed the keys to them anyways. He's trusting us with his authority, not because we're perfect, but because he's perfect. Don't stay parked. Don't, don't stay in the garage. 
The, the gates of hell are, are pushing at all the boundaries in every area that they can. Let's not make the same mistake the authorities made in Seattle. Let's walk in our God-given authority that God has given us. Where do we go? We go to the very gates of hell. That's why Jesus led them there to Caesarea Philippi. He hasn't called us to play it safe. I love what C.T. Studd said. And by the way, how, how cool is that name? Right? It just doesn't get any better than that. He said, some wish to stay than the sound of church or chapel bell. But I, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Now, in those days, it was Caesarea Philippi. Jesus knew he was about to conquer sin, death, and hell on the cross. And then he hands us the keys because of what it is that he's done. He said, I want you to go do the same. 1 Peter 2, 11-12 said, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners... In other words, this is not our home. We're not supposed to get comfortable. To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. This is such an amazing mandate. Again, the same thing he was telling the disciples in Caesarea Philippi. Peter is backing it up. Notice who's writing this? Peter. He got the message on that day. He came back around even after he had denied Christ. Jesus restored him. Jesus is restoring you. And Peter is telling the church, listen, our job isn't to hold the keys in our pocket. No, he's called us out there. He's called us to bring it to those, our unbelieving neighbors, our unbelieving coworkers, our unbelieving family members. And how do we do that? We just got to do our assignment. We just got to be Jesus Everywhere that we go and walk in that authority. And I, I, I love this. Many of us are aware of, of, of Rory and how amazing she's been on my staff since getting here. She has worked so hard to help me launch our house churches. And, and just recently, God, God was speaking to her about taking a step of faith and giving herself fully to being a health coach. And what I love about that is in the same authority that she walked here at church, she's going to walk in that same authority out with everybody that she's ministering to as a health coach. That doesn't mean she's any less of a minister just because she's no longer on staff here. In fact, most of us are never going to be on staff at a church, but God has given all of us the authority to be Jesus right where we're at. To help us facilitate this great commission together, to help each of us fulfill our assignment, God has brought some more to the team. Taking Rory's spot is my my nephew, Zach Bartolome, and this is his fiance, Isabella, who will be joining us from New York after she graduates next year. But Zach has been a part of church plants and has helped to pastor on staff at, at a mega church in, in Washington. And he's come here at a crucial time to help us build systems and to be able to help this church grow, most importantly, to be able to release you and what it is you're called to do in your God-given assignment. So he's coming on as my assistant pastor. Also really exciting. Many of you who have been attending the Father's House, you know that God connects. And even though Josh runs a successful and growing business, has a number of employees under them, God has had a call on his life for a long time, and he's going to bring his skill set as a volunteer executive pastor, that's right, even in the middle of his massive work week, he's going to volunteer to help us be able to serve you and release you in your God-given assignment. Look at these, look at these beautiful girls here. 
And Casey is volunteering as well to help on the admin side. And I just feel like this is the beginning of the shift that the church is making to release the people of God to be the priesthood of the saints to walk in your authority. And so we're even moving our staff meeting from being during the week to being on Sunday after church so that our volunteer staff, with them being the first, can actually begin to grow. And maybe some of you, God would call you to be a part of what it is that God is building here. But whether it's at church or at home or out where you work in our community, God has called all of us to go there, given us the keys of the kingdom. Let's go there together. Our final community builder discussion question is this. What does Jesus tell us to do? Who can I invite to my home, house, church, or Sunday services next week? If you're watching this on Labor Day weekend, maybe use that Monday as a day off, that day off to invite your house church to join you. Maybe invite some people that from work or your neighbors that don't know Jesus to come over for a barbecue if you feel safe doing so. But no matter what we do, let's make sure we use that authority that God has given us. Yeah, I, I at the top of this message had mentioned how the the flight attendant was about to kick off this fellow passenger on on the plane when we were flying to Seattle. Now she was very militant and very determined to kick this guy off the plane, even though he had just moved his mask down to open his phone with facial recognition. So she goes over and then brings back two other uh, attendants and they said, sir, you must gather your things. You're going to be off the flight. You do not get to fly. And the guy's like, what? What's going on? This was a clear misuse and abuse of the authority. We explained to the two new people. We, we just said a couple of us around in the plane. We just said, listen, he's not resisting. He had lowered his mask. He is complying with the standards and when they understood that he was just using it to open his phone they apologized they said we're so sorry and after that first flight attendant had left they said sometimes uh, people take this too far and I, I just thought man if we hadn't spoken up <laughs> this guy would have gotten kicked off for not doing anything that was a misuse of authority. That was someone who took their place and said, hey, we are, we're closing this down instead of opening this up. Every single one of us have a choice of which sign we're going to wear today. Either the church is closed, remember you and I are the church, or the church is wide open. Let's use the authority that Jesus has given us. Our new foundation in Christ is not one of fear, but of faith. Our new identity in Christ is based on what he has done and has given us a new name. We don't have to worry about rejection from people. And finally, our new assignment is to go to the very gates of hell where the enemy will not be victorious. To go to the very people that we think would never turn to Jesus and to show them, hey, God's house is wide open. This is our great commission. So, Lord, we just open up our hearts and our lives. We want to thank you for giving us a foundation, not built on the fear that is being just propagated, God, and propelled, and God, intensifying in the land around us, but a, a foundation of faith. We want to thank you, Jesus, right now for the new name that you've given us as sons and daughters of God. You've given us a new identity as the priesthood of the saints. 
It's not just one or two or select spiritual few. No, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, everyone filled with your spirit, you've called us to go out, our new assignment, go out into the world with the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven, what it is you bought for us on the cross. We say yes, God. We're not, we're not, we're not going to stay closed. We're opening up and nothing, nothing can keep us from sharing your good news with a world that desperately needs it. So we say yes to this assignment. And it starts here. It starts now with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you again for being a part of the Father's house, for joining us for being the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere that you're going to go this week. If this message has been meaningful for you, would you do me a favor and just share it? Share the link on our YouTube channel. Share this on your Facebook page. Let somebody else know they are a part of God's divine design, what he's doing in these last days. God bless you. I can't wait to see you again next week.